Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome. Um, my name is Gillian Hepburn, and I'm from Schroders. Um, welcome to the fourth podcast from the Diversity Project Gender Workstream, where we explore a range of themes and consider how to encourage women in particular to join our industry. However, everybody's welcome to listening to these podcasts. Now, last month, we looked at celebrating our differences and considered how to be yourself at work. What does this actually mean? Is there a stereotypical female within financial services and asset management? And if so, is it okay to be different? And this and other podcasts are already available to listen to on the Diversity Project um, pod, uh, website, but also on Spotify. I think that's quite cool, actually. This month, uh, we're going to continue on the theme of being different and specific, specifically focus on emotions. Interesting topic. So if women are more emotional than men, are we able to um, display that at work or is it a sign of weakness? So some interesting questions here. Equally, where does emotional intelligence fit into this overall conversation? So first up, who's in the virtual studio with me today? Um, well, first of all, I'd love to introduce um, Upi to us. She's from the Career Collective and has 15 years experience in advising organisations on diversifying talent pools and creating more inclusive workplaces. She's been involved in um, a range of diversity and inclusion initiatives sponsored by people like Google, the Government Equalities Office and Facebook. Fascinating. I think that's a whole other podcast in its own right. And she works with businesses around the globe on their DNI agendas to positively impact workplace dynamics. She's got an MBA in politics and MA in international security and terrorism, which again, I think is a whole other podcast, and has recently completed an executive programme in gender balance at INSEAD Business School. So welcome. Um, Bukola is also joining us today, and she's a graduate from City University of London, where she studied economics. Interestingly, she also spent some time abroad in South Korea, where she's got some fascinating stories um, about gender issues there. Again, another podcast, yeah? However, she also has two brothers, so she knows all too well about having to be a strong woman. It's not just in the workplace, is it? Um, and she also did an internship at a predominantly male firm where she felt she couldn't completely be herself and express her emotions. So, so that's my guests for today. Um, and I'm going to start by exploring what we mean by emotional intelligence and how it relates to, um, to being emotional. As per previous podcasts, I always start by turning to the dictionary. Well, online these days. Um, emotional intelligence or emotional quotient, where the EQ comes from, is the capability to recognise our own emotions and those of others. Um, it can guide our, our thinking and behaviours, and often we want to adjust our emotions to different situations, but indeed it can also drive positive leadership and performance. It's also often associated with empathy. So, with all of that in mind, okay, I'm going to start off with you. What's your thoughts on all of this? Um, thank you for having me, first of all. Lovely to be here. Um, so I see emotional intelligence as not only how we handle ourselves, um, but also our relationships, how we navigate our own positive and negative emotions, um, but also how we respond to the emotions of those around us. So similar to, to what you've just shared. Um, the term is actually popularized by a psychologist called Daniel Goleman. And I really like the way he kind of breaks it down. Um, and he says that every emotion has a function um, and he frames emotional intelligence in four domains. Um, they are self-awareness, 
So knowing what we're feeling and why we're feeling it is the foundation of our intuition and our decision-making. Um, and then self-management. So when it comes to negative or distressing emotions, how we handle these in effective ways. So it doesn't really derail uh, what's happening in that moment, um, but also attuning to that and learning from, you know, what we've learned in that process of how we've handled those negative or distressing emotions. And then when it comes to positive emotions, recognizing where these are happening for us, we can replicate that, you know, those happy feelings, we get infused. Um, and then we're able to align our actions with our passions and, and kind of get that buzz again. Um, then the third is empathy, which is obviously what you shared. And it's knowing what someone else is feeling. And I think that's really key and underpins under emotion, emotional intelligence. And then the last is social skill. And that's kind of putting all of the above together and forming kind of how our interactions based on regulating our emotions and how we respond to those around us and their behavior and their emotion and their language style. I actually think you've made a really interesting point there up front when you talked about negative and positive, because often yeah. when we think about emotions, right? We think about negative emotions, don't we? Yeah. We think about people being emotional in a negative sense. So I think that's a really interesting point that you made there. So what you're saying is actually it's about keeping them in balance a bit, isn't it? Keeping them in balance, realizing where we're seeing, how we're triggered, what we're triggered, you know, maybe even yeah. like writing down a journey. At like, I think data is everything. I think our data, yeah. and I'll speak about that a little bit later on in the session. Yeah, sure. um, understanding how we're affected in a situation, just noting that down is really, really important for us to kind of take ourselves to that next level. But also understanding that, you know, when we see, it's also about reframing, right? Um, yeah. Reframing that, your emotional as a superpower, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I love that phrase. We'll probably come back to that. But Bicola, what are your thoughts on this? Let's bring you into the conversation. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you for inviting me. Just to echo what Uppy has been saying, I believe that emotional intelligence is the ability to identify your emotions and not just your own, but your the emotions of others, and also learn how to manage them in a way that doesn't jeopardize the life that you've built for yourself. But there was something that Abby was talking about in terms of positive and negative emotions that I do want to chime into. And I believe that emotions aren't positive nor negative. They just are. And what makes them positive or negative is how we react to them, our actions when they, up, when they come up. So I think that this view that emotions is negative or positive has to do with how the emotion comes out in people. Mm. That's a really good point. It's about kind of how we how we express it, and also maybe how other people perceive it. Yeah, what what does it it feel like to them? And um, let's move on to thinking about that then in terms of demonstrating our emotions, because it's often it's often said, isn't it, that that women are a bit more emotional than men. And um, and and I've had numerous debates with many of the people that I work with about it because I, I know that at times um, I can get a bit emotional. And, and sometimes it's just because I care, I care passionately, or I'm expressing frustration. Um, but but are we generally more emotional than men? Or are we just actually, are, do they just hide it better than we do? Um, do we just wear our hearts on our sleeves? And, and and actually maybe men are conditioned to behave differently from an early age. Upi, what, what do you think about that one? So I completely agree with everything you've just said. <laughs> um, and the re research has shown us that women tend to be better than men on average at empathy. 
um, and particularly emotional empathy. So that's maybe why that spills out um, and sensing in the moment, you know, how the other person is feeling and also at social skills and keeping things feeling good between people in a group. And men, on the other hand, um, you know, are better on average at self-confidence and particularly in groups and at managing distressing emotions, um, according to the research, more effectively than women do. So I guess that's why we see it in that way. But it's exactly what Bacola was saying. It's about how we then respond to those situations, how we then interact with that. And that is, you know, where we get these kind of, I guess, patterns that have developed all these social conditioning, etc., um, so it's really important to think about how we express ourselves and look at behavioral traits um, rather than a clear delineation between genders or simplified stereotypes, essentially. You know, the alpha male that is tough and strong and shows no emotion or the fragile female um, that cries if you say boo um, or needs saving from the opposite sex. We all love that one, don't we? Um, and what has been found when looking at high-performing teams um, and high-performing leaders um, was actually there was little difference between uh, men and women when it came to emotional intelligence. So really what we're saying is actually people adapt and develop those skills in emotional intelligence and, and they become more effective, essentially. Um, so we pick up the strengths that we need in areas they lack of. So rather than it being, well, women are this, men are this, I really firmly believe that actually it's different traits that may be seen as feminine or seen as masculine yeah. and we kind of pick them up depending on what that is. So um, if we look at all of this, I think one of the key things when it comes to empathy um, is vulnerability and how that has been seen as really negative. So it's that reframe again of looking at emotions, right? Yeah. And actually vulnerability has had a, a kind of a, a reframe, thankfully, because I... I see it as a superpower, being able to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant for like building communication within teams and, and really effective kind of inclusive leadership. Um, and so it's now seen as a super positive thing and the signs of a great leader. So if we take something that's happened really recently um, and look at an example from within the uh, financial services industry, um, there was someone who works at HSBC, Jonathan Frostwick, who unfortunately suffered a heart attack earlier this month. Um, but then that actually prompted him to reflect and look on the negative working patterns, actually, that had got him to that point. And what he did was he shared that on LinkedIn. Now, that share has gone viral. Um, as of this morning, there were nearly 300,000 kind of interactions oh. and likes on the post and over 15,000 comments. And these comments are well wishes of obviously getting well, but also lots of people sharing really similar stories. And what that shows us is the power of storytelling, the power that it brings us together. So when we're able to be more vulnerable, we're able to display that empathy, which is what we're seeing in the comments, then actually that kind of has this lovely kind of bringing us together. So this emotion is actually such a superpower. Um, you know, we, we were able to celebrate his ability to be vulnerable, to show a side that we don't normally see within the financial services industry, or that's usually seen as acceptable. Yeah. And it's really obviously powerful to see that emotion. I think that's, and, and also that infallibility. Yeah. And that's why it's touched so many people. So when we're able to be more emotional, we're able to kind of bring our whole person to work and we're able to create more kind of community, um, be better so leaders. It's it kind of, it's just trickle. It's a ripple effect. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if we all understand that of each other as well, I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, you raised a couple of really interesting points here. One of the things you talked about is social conditioning. And I, I'm going to put my hand up as a 
as a mother of two boys, I'm absolutely sure I told them when they were little to, you know, stop crying and be a big boy. Yeah, because little boys don't cry and you've got to be brave. And and, and there is a bit of social, when you sit back and think about it, it does start sometimes from an early age, doesn't it? It's, um, you know, we, we use the phrase man up, don't we? It's, you know, when you think about it. And I, and I think your example there about um, the, the power of demonstrating vulnerability, you know, it's, it's you know, a phrase that we've all heard a lot in the last year is it, it's okay to say that you're not okay. Yeah, and, and we've got to really believe that, that that's that's actually true. And that as an industry, we embrace that and we can see the benefits of, of, of demonstrating vulnerability. Yeah. Um, Bukola, what about you? You mentioned earlier about, um, or I think I did in the introduction about you having um, brothers. So you've certainly got um, experiences of, of, of men and emotions. Do you want to talk us through some of that? Absolutely. So um, growing up with brothers and just having anyone that's had close male members in their life, you kind of see how nature and nurture plays and how they grow up. And you see how phrases like boys don't cry and just those kind of phrases kind of kind of teaches them to push down their emotions and not to be as expressive as women. So I think that is where I guess when we're, when we're all born, men and women take a deviating path is how we are reared and how we were taught to handle emotions. And like I said, I grew up with two brothers. So I, I've seen how they handle their emotions and it has to do with suppressing suppressing it until a point to which to which it builds up and then you get stories of people getting heart attacks and just um health issues and it just goes to show that emotions are something that do demand to be felt and and dealt with that suppressing it will not do anyone any favor it will just end up becoming a bomb that would eventually explode and it can the explosion can be detrimental to yourself and also the people within your vicinity as well and just to chime in on what um, Uppy said about storytelling, I think it is incredibly powerful what, um, what, the, what the post was. And I think storytelling is important in giving people permission to mm. come into work as their full self. I think, especially when you're starting in an industry, you're very nervous about how you might be perceived if you do come in with emotions. But if your leaders, if your managers are already doing it, you feel more, um, more welcome to do so as well. And I think again this shows importance of storytelling and just leaders taking their position as leaders and just being honest about who they are as well which is human beings absolutely you know some great points here and I, I think you made some really interesting ones about um how this can relate to mental health um but also about leaders um and and how they, they need to work with people in the in their environment that, that do demonstrate emotion and how we can help each other um, Upi, it looks like you might want to add a little bit to that. Yeah. Do you? yeah, I just I just want to say that it's also really important to note that you know when we have the example that I shared with the the HSBC manager, um, that had such an impact, and you know people are talking yeah. about it. But let's flip that around. Would that be the same if that was a woman who had shared that? Would that have received as much attention? And it's I think it's that social conditioning and that stereotypes of this is what we think men are, this is what we think women are. So actually that probably has happened and we probably have countless numerous instances where women have said, I, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on me and we're, and, and actually they haven't received as much of that. This is why we, you know, we create kind of cultures of inclusion and allyship because when 
men speak, <laughs> we, we listen. So hopefully that helps that, that, you know, the impact of this storytelling and the sharing this vulnerability now is actually going to be seen. Actually, this is what's been happening for a really long time, but we need to start listening. Yeah, it's a really great point. I just love that analogy that you talk about. We spoke about it before, didn't we, when we were doing some um, pre-work for this call when you talked about flipping? And, yeah, and that, um, it's, it's something that I learned actually when I was doing my executive program. And there's this really interesting way that you can, it's called Flip It to Test It. It was created by the HR director of Roche Diagnostics and essentially um, flip any situation. And, and see how that, that feels. So um, an example that I always use is um, in the workplace, if, um, if, a, if, a, if a, a, a male in the workplace is about to have their first child, very rarely is there a conversation with that person's manager saying, oh, well, I assume you'll probably wanna go to part-time now because you're having a first <laughs> child or you're gonna miss out on this promotion, unfortunately, because you won't be in the office as much. But that the research tells us that actually that's that's the conversations that women have had and have constantly yeah. and still have. Yeah. So really, actually, let's flip that situation around. And if it sounds ridiculous, we need to question. Um, yeah. But that's a tool that I, I use a lot. And I think it's really important when it's especially gen gender. It's really easy to, to look at that from that perspective. Yeah, it's a great example. And I actually think we're seeing, um, you know, some of the examples you gave there. I, th I do think we're massively progressing as an industry in terms of things like parental leave and you know shared responsibility but but it's a it's just a great little technique I think that you know that we can use so I really loved it when you spoke to me about that last time so let's think about emotions at work you know um is it acceptable to to have a bit of a weak moment you know and um and I know at times in my past I'm quite happy to admit I, I I'm somebody that um, maybe cries at times too easily, you know, bite the tongue and, you know, say, be, be brave. And, um, and sometimes physically we all, we all react differently, don't we? Some people fight, you know, it's, it's almost they're trying to prevent the, the emotion as we talked about, almost, I don't want to leak this out, but it's really hard. Um, how, how can we channel it appropriately? You know, how do we deal with it? Upi, what's, what's your thoughts on this one? Um, so I'll, I'll talk, share a, a story as well. So I, I don't think I've cried at work for a really long time. I think there was times when I've cried at work because I felt it was really unfair. And that's the biggest <laughs> thing, that it's the yeah. unfair. And it was a male boss. And I can distinctly remember that. We won't go into that now. But actually, I cried last year because I was working on something that I thought was, I was told by everybody it was happening. And, it, and then it kind of, it was a big thing. It'll happen one day. But, um, and I literally got off the phone, was completely professional, put the phone down and I burst into tears. And I work, I, I, run, I run my consultancy. It's, you know, so my kids and my husband came back from school at that point and were like, what's going on? And I don't think yeah. I've ever done that. But actually it was really, I'm really glad I did because that told me that that meant so. something to me, yeah. you know? And that told me that that was important, but I, it was the release that I needed because it was building up. So. That's really important. And I wholeheartedly think that it's imperative that we show emotions at work. Um, I do that when I work with, you know, I, I work with lots of different people, lots of different clients, and I will, I will, I will show the emotion that I need to show sure. um, that it, you know, in a measured way. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we need to do that to bring our whole selves to work. I think that's the key. And the emotion is all part of that. Um, and if we're holding that back, um, we're policing our behavior. 
um, it will have an impact, you know, sure. it will have, it will lead to resentment, um, over analyzing maybe in the moment, um, and potentially more serious, long lasting mental health issues. Yeah. Um, and we all have mental health. I think we really need to kind of understand that, you know, it's just like <laughs> physical health and we are on a spectrum and some days yeah. might be better than others. Um, just like how we have our physical health. Um, yeah. so when we talk about stereotypes, which I think what we were talking about before, and then, you know, this well-trope stereotype of women cry more at work than men. Um, and it comes back to those gender stereotypes and that social conditioning. Um, yeah. And, you know, what we see in the world, how we see the world is directly related to what we've seen in the world. Um, mm. So, you know, what we've been told, what we've been heard, what we've seen around us, all of that bias, forms what we think is acceptable or not in that situation. So sure. crime doesn't fit in with our image of, you know, stereotypical manhood, essentially. Um, and culturally, in some regions, you know, this has been evidence across the world, and depending on the cultural no norms of that particular space, um, it's either deemed as acceptable or not for, you know, either sure. gender to, to display yeah. that emotion. Um, there's also lots of scientific reasons why women may cry more um, at work or outwardly show more emotion. Um, there has been some studies done on emotional tears, um, which found that women cry 30 to 60, 30 to about 60 times a year, whereas men cry six to 17 times per year. Okay. And actually this was based on data that actually where the men were self-reporting that. So there might be actually higher yeah, levels, yeah, self-reporting is lower. Sure. Um, and in the sixties, they found that female tear ducts actually are more shallow. So okay. from a, a, a kind of a physical perspective uh, where it's easier for women to produce tears and men's tear ducts are larger and less likely for uh, the tears to spill out onto your cheek, etc., and, okay. and hormones um, play a part. Um, so yeah. um, we need to think about, you know, our hormones. And there's a hormone called prolactin, and actually, it's found higher levels of women, and actually, that's found in high levels of tears, emotional tears. Right. Yeah. So now I know why I cry more, <laughs> but I'm a much better at it. Bacola, what about you? You've got some great thoughts on this one as well, haven't you? About emotions at work. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same side as Api. I do believe that we need to start or continue to normalize emotions at work. Um, what I think people view as weakness, meaning showing emotions, I think is actually a great show of strength. It takes, it takes strength to be vulnerable. It takes strength to go to mm -hmm. someone and say, I need help or I'm going through a difficult time because what we've been conditioned to do is to kind of hold that in. So to go, to go in an opposite direction to what is normal for you takes a lot of strength and a lot of um, vulnerability. So I think that we can channel our emotions at work through empathy with each other. I think to, 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 to the, the golden rule, which we're all taught from the moment we were young, um, you teach kids, you teach at, at nurseries, kindergarten, which is treat others how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. I think as we grow up, we kind of lose that sentiment amongst um, between each other, and it starts. We start to view people as, oh, you're you're an employee, you're an employer. This is the position you're in, and I think if we introduce back empathy into the workplace, how we interact with each other, and also just how we progress in the workplace will be completely different. Brilliant. We started to stray earlier in the conversation there um, from emotions into hormones. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, great, a great segue in there. So, Ipi, do you want to talk to us a little bit about other areas of being female and, and 
and how we're different. So and, I'm going to do this really benefits. quickly because we've only got a couple of minutes. And yeah, so no, no. follow up with she, me, send me, let me know, and I will I will send them um, some more information and, and um, some references to some books. But um, I think when we think of women in the workplace, um, we consider so much, but we usually ever talk about actually our biochemistry, our monthly cycles and the impacts that that can have on women on a daily basis. So um, we as women can utilize our own unique biochemistry to essentially biohack ourselves to the top. And it's coming back to that data, knowing about ourselves. So um, there's a fabulous book um, by someone called Elisa Vitti called Woman Code. I implore you to read that. I'm going to go over it very quickly, but that's basically what you, you should, should look at. But um, essentially one of the best parts and the quotes that she says, and she kind of encapsulates it in this, in this sentence is, um, women are seeking to shift imbalances created by the patriarchy. We must stop modeling our lives on a masculine biochemical 24 hour schedule. It's time to work based on female paradigm of productivity, success and fulfillment. So essentially there are all these natural uh, predictable function like hormone fluctuations within each um, woman's kind of biochemistry that affect our mood and our energy and our cognition and so understanding each phase of your cycle will provide you with amazing kind of brain superpowers um, so we know exactly when we can plan and optimize that biochemistry to excel us in the workplace there's four different phases um, the first phase is the creative superstar so that's a time to like really um, have you, you have access to the most creative energy then it's the next phase, um, which is the ovulatory phase, which is where you can communicate really well. And actually that's a time to book in those big meetings because you're a magnet to people. Uh, <laughs> then is your luteal phase, which is actually the longest and that's your power phase. That's the time to get all your big tasks done and lots of admin and everything like that. And that's the longest phase of our, our cycles. And then it's the menstruation phase. And obviously that's gonna be quite taxing on your emotions. Um, but essentially what we do there is that's a time for reflection and, you know, having that existential crisis on solving the big world's biggest problems essentially <laughs> thank you for sharing that I, I just love that actually um certainly for um those of you who are still in that stage I mean, i'm going to have a whole other pod podcast i think on um postmenopausal where i'm sure the hormones are very different um at least uh, so i'm told um but i i think that's just like fascinating so we'll all be plotting it out working out what is the best day to have these difficult conversations or yeah so um that big meeting I, you know put the big meeting in whatever it may be yeah get yeah. a job interview on the day that you <laughs> want that suits your hormones exactly. right or ask for a pay rise on the day that suits you best exactly. there you go i just loads of great stuff here but also for those women listening in it's all about making sure that you understand that our industry is absolutely inclusive in a whole lot of different ways yeah and and being emotional is fine it's, it's okay um so with just a couple of minutes to go I, i'm just going to ask you both and um, before we close off what's your key message or your tip or to the people that are listening into this podcast and um, ippy do you want to start yeah Sure. Um, I think our emotions empower us. I think we need to understand our own personal data. We should be mapping it, mm. map, you know, getting as much of it. This is information that we're providing to everyone and everywhere. Why, why are we not tracking it ourselves? Um, and, you know, our emotions are a force for good. So don't be scared about how you come across in the workplace. Healthy, positive workplaces that are psychologically safe, that create these mm. avenues to have, you know, real conversations that have high levels of empathy, a vulnerability and trust um, will allow us to be more emotionally intelligent. 
Yeah, fantastic. Some, some just great stuff in there. So fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. And Bacola, what about your thoughts to end with? Um, what I would end with is just the importance of communication. I think communication mm. is incredibly key and also learning the art of communication as well. We talk at each other a lot, but we really talk with each other. And just to like um, um, echo what Uppy said, that communication builds trust. And with trust, you have a safe environment where everyone can flourish. So I would advise everyone from juniors to leaders to managers to really, really hone in on the, on the art of, of communication. I, I just love your example there about communicating with and not at. And I think that's a really, it's a really great message to send out, isn't it? So, um, so um, with that, all of that in mind, I think we just had such an amazing session today. And, and I'd really like to thank you both for, um, for just taking time out, um, for spending some time with me and um, talking about all these really interesting topics. And um, hopefully we'll all be away reading about um, EQ, emotions, IQ, how does it all fit together? But actually, I think the key message is don't be afraid of your emotions yet. Yeah? Use them as a force for good. Yeah. So, you know, make the best of ourselves. And, um, and, and I think hopefully it's all about ensuring that within our industry, we also have a culture of well-being and demonstrate that we really are inclusive organisations. And if you're listening and think that um, you're too emotional for our industry, well, think again. Um, hopefully we've demonstrated today that that's certainly not the case. So thanks again to our two guests. I've so enjoyed speaking to you both. Um, and thanks for everybody else for listening in. Um, it's always great fun to have these monthly sessions. And um, enjoy your holiday weekend. And then do join us again on the 28th of May for the next one in this series, where our topic, really interesting, will be about driving change. So have a lovely weekend, everybody, and we'll speak real soon. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.